You're listening to a CanadianMovieCrew.com production. The Langoliers is the story of a group of airline passengers who go through a time rift. Or is it? Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. Welcome back to the Or Is It Movie Podcast, where we try to find the real story behind the story. I'm Sean Taylor. I'm Tex. And I mean Mark. Don't know why I had a pause there. My mouth didn't want to work. Sorry about that. Don't remember my uh, name. Did, <laughs> did I we go through? What my name is. Did we go through a time rift? Where like before you created Sean Taylor? Is that? <laughs> yeah, I went through a half second time rift there. <laughs> and now everyone's gone. Oh no. Um. So this uh, this week we're taking a look at the Langoliers from 1995. Hmm. Uh, we can welcome to the show Tom Morse and Bronson Pinchot. Kind of about time. Kind of. Kind of, but not really, because he's not in a lot of movies anyway. That's true. Well, well, actually, he's in a lot of and movies. And this really wasn't a movie. <laughs> this was a made-for-TV movie that was done in like four different segments. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I did check. It did have a theatrical release. It toured. Really? With some Stephen King, some bad oh, Stephen King movies like my, Maximum Overdrive. Like all of them? Not all of them, but like three or four of them. No, Th- that's pretty much oh all of them. Oh my God, this is like. King, bad Stephen King movies, that's pretty much all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So they do like an all night Stephen King a thon. Oh, so this movie and one other, because this is fucking long. This is Lord of the Rings long. Yeah, oh, well, God, but yes. way more painful. One of them was It, which is oh. four hours in upon itself. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't remember that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Previous experience with this one, Mark? I may have caught in s- snippets of this on cable television back in the day uh, and just walked on by. Hey, it's Balky. Oh, it's not Balky. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yes, obviously Bronson Pinchot famous from Perfect Strangers. Oh yeah. Um, sure, which I watched uh, a lot as a kid. Yeah, so I mean very he's he's one of the biggest names in here other than the airline pilot himself. Yep. Who is a character actor. I think he was in The Rock, was he not? He was indeed. Well, yeah, David Morris, yeah, you've seen him before and a lot after. So yeah. this is yeah, this is kind of on his way up. He got uh some fairly beefy TV roles after this too, well, mostly playing bad guys. He makes he makes a really good bad guy. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, this movie not starring anybody else that made any kind of significant splash. Oh, I looked up one of the yeah, actresses, uh, the the one who's the uh, the young punk girl. Um, I think that's what she's supposed to be. Anyway, uh, yeah. not not the kid, but the the other girl, Whatever, right? She's the rebellious teenager. The teenager, yeah, yeah. Uh, she did like this, two other movies, and now teaches acting. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yep, she teaches basic acting. So <laughs> apparently, that's all she needed was three movies. Well, that's I'm all good. she knows. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> she was actually not bad in this one. I guess if I was getting started, I'd maybe go to her class. I guess, but <laughs> yeah, you know, if you've never acted before, yeah, exactly. Well. Tex, have you seen this before? I had, unfortunately. So I've never actually seen this all the way through before. I don't know that I've actually, I don't know that I've seen it all the way through. I think I did because this is one of the very few stories of Stephen King that I fucking loved. Really? I loved this story. The story, at the time, I mean, I haven't read it in a really long time, so maybe with my tape, my, my, uh, changes in my taste maybe it's not as good anymore but when i first read it i thought it was awesome the way it was written and everything and trying to figure everything out that was awesome and when i found out that this was going to be a movie i was like oh cool i wonder how it translates and i don't remember if i actually finished watching it because i was like wow this is it huh okay <laughs> so yeah as soon as i saw it how they portrayed the Langoliers in the movie, I was like, <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that, it's Stephen King. I mean, when, a lot of times when I watch a Stephen King movie and the end comes, I'm like, 
Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, what, what do you think they're getting wrong? By... Is it like do they need Stephen King right behind the helm to get his stories right? <laughs> uh, well, he he the only one he directed was Maximum Overdrive. Oh. I retract my question. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, some of his stories are just fucking ridiculous, period. And it just, maybe it takes it to actually be put onto the big screen that you see how ridiculous it is. Um, but some of the stories are actually kind of interesting. Like, Langoliers as a story was interesting. Hmm. I'll take your word for that one. Well, they, they, uh, well, they hired Jerry for one thing. That that was a mistake. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. But I think at that point, that was when Jerry was still kind of popular because there's really not a lot more that could have been done with this. Uh, the, the poo balls with teeth. I'm sorry. Poo balls no, well, with teeth. Hang on, hang on. Before we get too far into I know, I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. Once we brought uh, once text right. mentioned what the Langlers look like. <laughs> All right. Our story begins in an airport where we meet most of our cast. Dinah wakes up to discover her Aunt Vicky has had enough of her bullshit and vanished, along with nearly every other person on the plane. Among the people that are on the plane are a blind girl named Dinah, who's also psychic, of course, Nick, a badass, possibly spy, Craig Toomey, a whiny banker, Laurel, a teacher, Captain Ingle, a pilot, Bethany, rebellious teenager, Bob, the mystery writer and drunkard, Albert, a teenager with glasses, and Don, the mechanic. Bob tries to unravel the mystery of everyone's disappearance, and they eventually decide to land at the closest airport, which is Maine, of course, because if it's Stephen King's story, it happens in Maine. Yeah. Any doodles, Craig has a little breakdown, apparently sees people with melting non-faces, and ripping evidently calms him. Bob reminds everyone he's a mystery writer, in case they forgot, and rattles on about possible scenarios. The characters whine about their various lives, and Engel lands at the airport after the movie makes various attempts to be scary and suspenseful. Turns out the airport is completely empty, and the air smells funny. Everyone tries to figure out what's happening. Craig has a breakdown, and Dinah hears Rice Krispies popping, which is evidently terrifying. You'll never look at breakfast the same way again. <laughs> Anywho, Craig takes Bethany hostage. Albert saves her life and gets shot, but the, bu- but the bullet just bounces off of him. Bob gives a long-winded diatribe that eventually gets to the heart of it that they've somehow jumped into the past. <laughs> the only recourse is to fly back through the rift. Craig escapes his bonds, stabs Dinah, and then kills Don. Al kicks his ass but doesn't kill him, and Dinah manages to telepathically talk to Craig. She convinces him that the bankers are waiting for him and uses him as bait and comic relief as he gets killed or eaten or whatever by the Langoliers. Anywho, everyone is flying toward the big time the big time rift when Bob realizes that everyone needs to be asleep in order to go through the rift. Someone has to be alive to do that, therefore someone has to sacrifice themselves. Nick volunteers, everyone goes Betty bye, and when they wake up, it looks like every- it looks like no one's alive down there. Evidently, they just arrived a little too early and the present had been stuck in a traffic jam. It, ap- it arrives with a trippy light show and everyone rejoices and skips off. The, sc- the scene f- freeze frames like it's a cheesy 80s sitcom and roll credits. Yeah, why is there a freeze frame at the end of this movie? That was so weird. It seems so out of place. I would say a lot of this movie is why this movie. Well, that's true. That's very true. Um, like, why did they need to make it like four different segment? Like, why did they turn this into this long of a movie? They could have made it two hours, half hour segments each, or you know, if you're going to do the four things, or two one hour se- segments. Done. There. Yeah. Because yep. there is so much looking. Yeah, there's a whole scene where we watch the step-by-step refueling of the plane. And I'm like, we don't need this. <laughs> like, okay, oh, they took out the hose. Oh, they drove the hose out to the thing. Okay, well, they hooked the hose up. Oh, they got the stairs. That's nice. They got the hose up to the thing, and they're plugging it in. They're turning it. They're tightening it. Oh, that that's that that's good. Okay, they yelled down. They're turning it on, and now it's pumping, and now he's holding it. Now he's watching the thing. He's watching the gauge go up. Like, why are we watching this? Oh, I skipped so much through this movie. It wasn't <laughs> funny. Even at one and a half, when I saw how long it was, I was like, mm-hmm, and that's happening. Skip. Skip. Oh, look, that's still happening. And it's still happening. And it's still <laughs> happening. And it's still happening. And I've skipped like four different times by this point. Yeah, yeah. the classic, no one will be seated during this stunning refueling scene. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or the exactly. staring out into the fucking airport. Like, they they stare out onto the tarmac like half of this fucking movie. 
And I love, I love how the sky goes from dark to light again. And she's like, oh, it's the next day already, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so what happened to night? Because it takes forever for it to get late in the evening, I guess. And then suddenly it's daytime. I'm like, what, what, uh, what, where's night? Is <laughs> night not in the budget? Well, let, let, let's go to the, to the crux of this thing. So, these people are flying. Yeah. They fly through a time rift. Mm-hmm. And because they're asleep, they get left behind. Yes. So, they're technically in the near past? No, they're in the past. They're in the past. Yes. But not too, too far away because if you wait too far away, the Langoliers eat. Have already eaten. Things at random? Yeah, I will. Okay. See, this is where the confusion is because in the book that I remember, it's a matter of when time ends, like once something has already occurred in this, I don't know, parallel universe, I guess, if you will. Langoliers are eating up all of that time. Right. Because it's high in iron. I have no idea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But they're eating all of that up. Because that's their job. I guess. Um, So what they've done is they've gone into this time rift. And yeah, I guess you could call... Actually, now that I think about it, yeah, I guess you could call it the near past because the Langoliers are coming. Yeah. But they haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. But yeah, they eat like everything in existence. Like the way that they did it in the movie is ridiculous because that's not the way that it's done in the book. Like the way that it's done in the book is it's like, it's like a line that gets eaten as they go. Right. Like they devour everything in that second and move on kind of thing. That kind of makes more sense. The idea of the like the horizon, if you will, just gets shorter and shorter because time is catching up to you or something like that. Right, right? but at the same time, it doesn't really get shorter because time keeps going. So they just keep devouring each second and whatever. Yeah, yeah, but that that's already happened though. That's the thing. Like that's the it's there's a gap in that. Yes, there's a little bit of time in time that they slip into. Yeah. But yeah, the visual representation of the poop balls with teeth are, is yeah. just really. It, I thought they were look look more looked more like um, clams. Okay, but it's, like, the, it's the brown color. It's the that's not helping them. <laughs> I was thinking meatballs with spinny teeth. Oh, meatballs like, with teeth. All right, like, I'll take. They reminded me honestly, like um, they were the first things that I thought of when we saw Battleship. I was going to say, I, I those, immediately like, thought of Battleship. Those, those chompy ball things. Yep. I don't even fucking remember them because it's been so long. But I remember laughing at them. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what they looked like to me. They look like Langoliers yeah. to me in the when I first saw Battleship. I was like, Nah, it's Langoliers. Awesome. So they can do Sunny with a chance of Langoliers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, in the time rift, yes. Well, I tell you, not having seen this before, I got to say my first impressions were way off because when they go through the uh the Aurora Borealis, not really knowing that that's what they actually went through. You know how notice how they like they mention it, the captain talks about it. Oh, um yeah, your wife died in a fire. P.S. Uh, hey, Aurora that's Borealis right. is out. Did you see that? Just uh... <laughs> that, very, that was a very odd conversation. It was. Uh, yeah. uh, I got whiplash from the hard left turn we took in that conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, so we're, I guess we're, we assume that they pass through it, although they don't mention it till later. So everybody wakes up, and then everyone else's possessions are left on their seats, right? Because they got whisked yeah. away. That is, in short, how they describe the rapture and how that's going to happen. Well, see, and that confused me too because so the dental work stays, yeah. The pocket watches stay, mm-hmm. well, their possessions stay, but their clothes go with them. Yeah, yes. because they're organic material. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's or- organic versus uh, inorganic, I suppose. What's that? Uh, inorganic versus organic, I suppose. Yeah. Everyone I mean, was, well, it's, it's possible, right? I, I don't know. Everyone yeah, was wearing well, a nice cotton weave. 
<laughs> that's that's it's so weird and like so uh, all right so time is still moving forward uh in the other thing yes. in in the alternate dimension right? yeah and, and on their plane <laughs> okay but it's moving forward very quickly because they go through basically a whole day somehow yes very quickly like through a matter of i assume maybe a couple hours right yes not quickly enough for this movie no, right. true. But but if they're in the past and time is moving quicker, and shouldn't they be catching up to real time? Yes and no, because they're they're in this alternate uh, universe, like I said, if you will. So they're never ever they're never actually going to catch up to that time because it's being destroyed. By the Langoliers. Right. So you never really catch up to it, I don't think. Because, well, you can't actually do anything, even if you did catch up to time, in that time, like, in that universe, whatever, you wouldn't really be able to do anything anyway, because it's like there's a, there's like a, a curtain between you and this other, and like actual reality. Is kind of the way I think we're supposed to look at it. Is that explained in the book? I don't fucking know. Oh, okay. Maybe. <laughs> and I will say, too, also, that the way that it's told in the book is a lot creepier. Because the start of the book is them waking up on the airplane. Well, that's what it should have been. Oh, that's yeah. absolutely yeah. what it should have been. And that's exactly what I expected when I started watching this. And then I was like, oh, airport. And I'm like, what? No. You've just lost every every bit of mystique that you had right from the very start, you just fucking lost. Let's waste time with character development. Nobody fucking cares about these people at all. But let's waste time with character development that really isn't development anyway. Yeah, did we really need and to see Aunt Vicky? No. No. We didn't need to see Aunt Vicky. We didn't need to see Laurel's best friend be like, this is so unlike you. And seriously, what's wrong with her being like, I'm just gonna go fuck a guy. <laughs> uh, I was nineteen. Come on, it's the nineties. Seriously, it was the mid nineties. <laughs> I'm serious. It's the nineties. Come on now. No, no, you're absolutely right. Like it's the nineties. We're supposed to be empowered women. Why can't we just say, you know what? I met this guy online. You're gonna hear that a fucking lot in the next ten years. And <laughs> you know, like fuck, people are meeting people online and going and marrying. Like big fucking deal. She's gonna go spend a weekend with a guy. Whoopee. Okay. And you're absolutely right. She shouldn't be allowed, but don't forget this was the 90s. So it was kind of new. Yeah, but still, women empowerment. Yeah. That was like the whole big thing, right? Yeah. These girls were raised in the 70s, though, as young girls. So this is still a new concept to these women now growing up and taking their power. So it it makes sense. One would, you know, be empowered. The other one's like, I'm not so sure yet. Let me ask my husband. Yeah, well, she's a fucking wimp anyway. So. Well, exactly. It, no, no, and that's exactly right. There's, you know, our our character that we see is actually taking her power. That's good for her, and the other one's just No, being she was going to bitch out. There's no way she was going to meet that guy. There's no fucking way. No. She was going to go, yeah, but she was never going to meet him. She was going to fucking duck out. She wasn't going to meet him. Please, she's a pussy. <laughs> well, even if she does get in trouble with the new guy, she's already learned how to do a Ver- uh, Vulcan nerve hold. Huh. <laughs> Which isn't it? Isn't it a pinch? The, the Vulcan, Vulcan neck pinch, pinch, yeah, or a nose hold. Oh, I have that in my notes. Yeah, the Vulcan nose hold. I remember when Spock did that to Kirk. Yep, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there are such thing as pressure points and everything. Sure, sure. Yeah, but and the Vulcan nerve pinch is not real. is not real. But <laughs> no, but did he say? Did he call it the Vulcan? Nerve he, called, he called it the, the Vulcan nerve hold. Oh. Yeah, I must have missed that with my one and a half speed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of my favorite lines is right near the beginning, um, and uh, the, the pilot, the the two, the pilot and co-pilot are talking, and one of them talks about uh, there might be something wrong with the plane, and then the other guy's like, "Well, that's not my problem." I'm like, uh, "Excuse me, <laughs> you're flying yeah. the plane. Anything broken on the plane is immediately going to be your problem." 
Yeah, but at the same time, it's really not his problem because, like, five seconds after that, he's pulled off the plane anyway. So, you know, that plane may have gone have crashed, and he, <laughs> problem. he wasn't on that one. It's like he knew, eh? It's like, that's not my problem. By the time that thing explodes, I'm going to be gone. Yeah, my ex-wife's dead. I'm about to find out in a minute, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was that seriously, like, the whole reason to get him off the plane was to tell him that his ex-wife was dead? Yeah, he was on one uh, plane. I guess, yeah. And if that's the case... Maybe bring someone who's good at talking to someone about <laughs> loss. Someone with better bedside manner, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, maybe. Even Brenda from HR. Maybe just had a sensitivity training. Like, like you, don't, you don't pull somebody aside and go, oh, yeah, by the way, there was a fire. And your ex-wife was in it. And she died. No, no, no. You got to wait for it. You got to oh. wait for the pause. Right. Because he's got to look at him and be like, and? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't good. And? <laughs> Did she make it? Oh, yeah. No, she didn't. Like. <laughs> but, really? yeah. No, exactly. That's not how you tell someone that someone has died, by the way. That's just not. For future reference, for anyone listening, that's not how you tell somebody that somebody died. <laughs> yeah. And then he immediately said, but you know what did survive? Aurora Borealis. <laughs> yeah that yeah no you're, you're right Tex that was I, I was awkward for them oh yeah watching that whole telling him his wife died thing and I was like excuse yeah. me this is and I noticed how Buddy didn't get a chance to go back and maybe tell the pilot where he was going or his co-pilot yeah <laughs> you know what I mean like he didn't get a chance to tell him it's like uh, yeah so I guess I'm not making this flight I'm taking another one yeah and how about the fact that Guy doesn't even say, like, the one who's talking, doesn't even say, I'm sorry for your loss. Never. Not once. That fucking pissed me off so much. I'm like, where? It... Okay. Yep, exactly. It's like a fucking period. When you're talking to somebody about something like that, it's, it's required. Yeah. It's expected. You say, I'm sorry for your loss. Absolutely. What you do. I mean, I, I work for a cell phone company, and if someone calls in and says that they need to cancel a line because their spouse passed away, immediately. I don't know them yeah. from a hole in the ground. It doesn't matter. I'm still sorry for their loss. Like, it's... Yeah, exactly. Be human here, dude. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Although, I will have to admit that I couldn't stop staring at the uh, sign behind them. There was, like, it said something along the lines of... Uh, the way that it was worded, it looked like only 50 passengers are allowed in the hallway or something. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it was like, there was another sign that was, um, I don't know, it was terminals, whatever. I don't know anything about airports. I've never actually been in one. Um, but uh, there's like another sign just a little bit down and it's like 51 only and, you know, 52 only and whatever. And it seemed like there was only, you're only allowed like this many things in the hall. I just couldn't stop staring at the signs after that. I was like, is it supposed to be worded like that? Or did they make fake signs? Oh my god, I love that progression because somewhere along the way someone's standing in front of the 50 sign and there's 50 people already there. They want to get to the 51 section, but they can't. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's only 50 people allowed here between them and the 51 section. <laughs> oh, that's funny. The cockpit door, um, when they go to bang on it, doesn't it look like the door off of the side of a Winnebago? Uh, yeah, yeah. That looks like a flimsy ass door. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, this is pre nine eleven, right? So they just sure. And 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 Buddy just like eh, he just pushes hard, and that's it. He gets through. Well, you know, he's a spy. <laughs> yeah. So he knows the right way to push a door open. Curse you and your Vulcan strength. The part that the pilot <laughs> who is constantly opening and closing that same door because he works for an airline doesn't know how to open the door, but the spy, he sure does. Oh no, I think they still had the lock or from the, the inside for the pilot's safety. The case, What's that? I said they, I think they still had the lock for the pilot's safety on the pilot side of the of the door, right? So that's why they had trouble getting it open. Like they could have cut it open with a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> like, that's how thin this thing looked. Oh, by the way, that nose hold uh, that he puts on, um, in the 80s, we called that the cocaine crusher. There yeah. you go. Yeah. 
let's. There's two characters that really annoyed me in this. Well, two of the characters that annoyed me the most in this movie were the little girl psychic. Oh, our Daredevil Green Jean Grey. Yeah, why? Uh. Why is she psychic? How? Because it's Stephen King. Well, I know it's Stephen King, but that's your answer. Is is it because she's blind? I don't get it. It's just like here's a thing that just exists now in this in this world. Like she even says right off the top, she goes, "Oh, you're a teacher, aren't you?" And she's like, "Yeah." How'd you know? It's like, "Oh, you have a teacher voice." The fuck is a teacher voice? I, I yeah, that I don't know because I've had lots of teachers and with various voices, various voices. But um, I wouldn't say that all of them have that. It's gonna be okay yeah. tone in the voice. Oh yeah, no, no. Some of them are just like, "I'm fucking here for the paycheck. Sit yeah. down, shut up, yeah. listen." <laughs> my grade 10 french teacher had anything but a teacher voice if there is such a thing <laughs> yeah it was, okay and look at the board oh what <laughs> so your french teacher was Arnold schwarzenegger he could speak seven languages just appar- <laughs> apparently all at once ce n'est pas un tumor <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was the fucking writer. Oh, yeah. This oh was actually, God. I think, would have been Did the... Did you know that he writes mystery? Oh, my God. Did you know that he's a mystery writer? Oh, yeah. He's and, like and he's the only one with all the answers. He's got 40 books that have been published? Yeah. Dear boy. Oh, yeah. I deduce, dear boy. Why is deduction... Look, he says being able to, uh, being able to deduce things is important to being a mystery writer. Why? No, actually, it fucking isn't, because exactly. you're creating your own Thank goddamn you. mystery. You're writing the mystery. You don't need to deduce anything. What Do you do? You just fucking come up with mysteries in your head and deduce and just write as you go? No. <laughs> you st- mystery writers, if anything, begin with the end and work backwards. <laughs> Why are you... What? Deduction is the power of a mystery writer. Why? That doesn't make a lick of sense. So... Wh- and it, be, you, <laughs> we broke John. Exactly. There, there should have been another character that's like, but aha, I am a mystery reader and therefore have more powers of deduction than you, sir. So please step aside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Like, if you're a mystery reader, then yeah. Yeah. You're going to get really good at, at deducing different things. But you don't need to deduce when you're fucking writing the mystery. Yeah. If you want the butler to have done it, you do. <laughs> Ta-da. Mystery yeah, solved. Ta-da. Ta-da. He did it. Now I'm going to explain how. Uh, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was like the hubris, right? Just, oh, this is the only guy that has any answer whatsoever. Right? Is this mystery writer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because nobody else can think for themselves. Yeah. He, he... Although that's clear enough. Puts a pilot. Uh, also, someone who I'm pretty sure is in Her Majesty's Secret Service, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I think the British guy is supposed to be sort of MI six. I don't know. Oh yeah, maybe MI two and a half. I'm not sure. Yeah, but we we get a scene at the beginning with him. I I guess getting his mission statement or his mission. Yeah, he's getting who he needs to assassinate. So you set up this thing that he's there to assassinate someone, but then at the end he decides, nah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping it was Bronson Pinshot. Huh. Uh, I, no, I honestly thought that that was like because he lost so much money that for some reason he needed to be dead. And so I thought that was going to play out during our story here as a subplot where we're not. Yeah, and that and that boy, wow, someone needs to do the Dance of Joy. Like, <laughs> wow, this guy's incredibly high strung. <laughs> like. I'm sorry, the Dance of Joy? The Dance of Joy. Now we're so happy, we do the Dance of Joy. It's from Perfect Strangers. Oh my god, I haven't seen that in so long. <laughs> it's a great Meposian tradition. <laughs> Meposian, exactly. For Mepos, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and of course he does that over the top, you know, scaring a little girl. Like, what the hell happened? Did your voice change in the middle of that line? <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, so he's going to Boston 
He's going to be in a meeting at 9 o'clock. I don't know if you caught that text. Uh, <laughs> no. No, he's going to be in a meeting? Yeah. 9 o'clock oh. in Boston, 9 o'clock. So, wait, sharp. okay, so so he's going to be in a meeting, and Bob's a mystery writer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. now it makes sense. Yeah. So, okay, and he purposefully lost millions of dollars for this company in order to get fired. Why is he going to the meeting? Uh, to sign his exit papers, I guess. I guess, are we to assume that this is the meeting where he's going to get fired? I, I think so, yeah, and I think he wants to be there in person to get shit-canned and then kind of walk out with his head held at kind of a medium level because he did lose a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but he got what he wanted. He got fired, so his dad... Yeah, I guess he could blame the company then instead of himself I think he wanted to go to the meeting and get fired and like make a big show of it like kind of like he does in the dream sequence Yeah yeah because like that's I don't know it, it's really freaking difficult to figure out what's going on with this particular guy because he's so fucking nuts but he and he keeps having these flashbacks of his father screaming at him and everything and being like, you know, if you don't have like perfect grades and whatever, then you're a loser. But then he purposefully goes and loses all of this money so that he can tell the people in the bank at the job that he hates that he did it. I, I yeah I I don't know I it I maybe it's like a fuck you to his father I don't know yeah this is almost like the opposite of that that dream speech that we that most of us have we won the big lottery so we you know telling the boss everything that we wanted to tell them for X number of years <laughs> I th yeah. I think this was just wish fulfillment that that's why it was such an important meeting because this would be his dream come true where he can give the big old finger. To the bosses and to his dad and to everyone else and say, look at me, look at me, look what I did. Um, this is what you get for something. <laughs> Why he's so pissed off at, making, at being rich and successful, I don't know. I cannot figure this out. Yeah, that's, that's the weird thing. He's, 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 he is rich and he's successful. And he's a great businessman, but he doesn't want to do it anymore. We don't get a reason why. Yeah. What about early retirement? If you made that much money, I'm sure you got some tucked away. Yeah, and so like after they after they go through the time rift, and the uh, mystery writer is going through, and he creates this sort of theory about why this is happening to him, and he tells his theory, and then he immediately says, "Right, but that doesn't make any sense at all." I'm like, of course it doesn't make any sense at all. It's batshit insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's actually happening to them is still batshit insane. <laughs> yeah. So, and why, okay, so why don't matches work? Uh, because apparently time, once it's been used, gets stale. <laughs> gets stale. <laughs> That's honestly... Um, that's like pretty much what, uh, what I got out of it is that, um, you know, once time has passed, <laughs> um, you have a parent, you have a best before date on your <laughs> time. <laughs> well, no, not, on, not on time, but on your items, sandwiches and beer. Yeah. And sorry, text just to pause right there. Thank goodness we have a whole character whose only job is to be fat and hungry to tell us these things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the poor bastard never actually gets to eat anything. Exactly, and hence his, his forever character curse is being fat and hungry. Please continue. Yeah, cause like, and but the poor bastard doesn't get to try any of this stuff. Like when they discover that everything on the plane is has like their time has kept with it or whatever. And Albert gets to eat a sandwich, but Buddy doesn't. 
He goes to, like, grab a sandwich. Oh, no, when they're at the airport. Sorry, when they're at the airport. Because Albert tries the sandwich. And he's like, oh, yeah, it tastes so good and whatever. And then fucking other buddy goes to, like, grab one. They're like, no, come on. It's like, what? Albert has had so much to eat compared to this poor guy who has done nothing but talk about how hungry he is. Now he has a chance to eat, and you're taking it away from him. Fuck you, too. I'd be like, fuck you. I'll be right there. (laughs) And why does being up against a wall mean you're not going to be touched by anything? How do you know you're not standing right beside somebody leaning against the wall currently? Or right inside somebody. Exactly. Yeah, I was just going to say, or standing right in the exact spot where they're standing. Yep. There is no safe place for these people to be. Your legs could be inside someone's luggage right now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, that brings up a whole other question. Is they fly backwards through the time rift, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And apparently, <laughs> and they figure out before they go through it that they have to be asleep. Okay. Well, that one makes sense because they, re- because they in order for them to go through, the only way they went through was because they were asleep. So, yeah, it makes sense that they have to be asleep again to go back through it. Okay. But then why... Why they have to be asleep, I don't know. But then but... why... But they go back through the time rift. Why haven't they immediately caught up? Like, why isn't everyone else on the plane? Yeah. Well, that's... no one would be on the plane because they've already died or whatever, been taken, whatever. But um, why nothing is there i have no idea you're, no yeah. you're, you're right sean the scene should have gone that everyone yes had to be asleep but they also had to be back in their original seats and then as soon as they pass through the rift co-pilot shows up everyone else shows up and everyone lands safely and de- then does their 80s leap in the air j- for joy and pause yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well see the thing the problem with that though too is that um engel was not in the pilot seat No, he would have to have moved over. No, he would have to be back in his original seat. He he was was a passenger. He was a passenger. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, he'd have to set the the autopilot to go through and then get back into his seat. Apparently, autopilot doesn't exist. What's that? Apparently, autopilot doesn't exist. (laughs) That's clearly what they're saying because that's what they could have done in the first place. Like, I remember actually reading the book going, turn on the autopilot. (laughs) Because <laughs> there's a whole big like love story between teacher and MI6 guy that's actually told much better in the book. Um, and, you know, they have this like, whole thing where he's like, he decides he's going to sacrifice himself, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I was going, turn on the autopilot. Everybody yeah. goes to sleep. Turn on the autopilot. Plane flies through. You wake up. Yeah. You don't need to make the big sacrifice. Yeah. But no, apparently autopilot doesn't work for whatever reason. The plane works and everything else, but autopilot's no. Well, I think the other thing, too, is he had to be able to reach over and re-engage the oxygen so that way they don't die in their sleep. But he can't. He just went through a time rift. He disappears. He can't flip a switch. Well, no, he does it just they, before. Otherwise, they'd wake up in the as they're going through the time rift and die all over again. Well, the way I saw it was that he, he he had to wait basically to the last second to re-engage the oxygen, so that way when they got to the other side. But that's yeah, the, they, that's they, the thing, though. They, they should wake still, up right away. They should still be in the plane. <laughs> in which case, there's no one left to fly the plane because their pilot died on the way back through the rift. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this this movie, it is so weird to have this idea of a, a, a small rip in time. There's actually a um, just a place after time, if you will, where nothing just kind of happens and just waits for the Langoliers to come eat it. And then the idea that a there's a somehow a rip, which we don't know how that actually happened. And then secondly, that somehow geography matters at this point. That flying yeah. east to west actually makes a difference like you're actually moving forward in time with the earth's rotation do you know what i mean yeah. like like the langoliers have to do their thing and just keep eating the past starting from the east making their way to the west and so geography matters for some reason in the whole time warp thing i've never seen this before right but the langoliers are already in maine right 
Yeah, they're in Maine, and oh, then I, I guess no, yeah, because you're flying ahead because you're going back across the time zone. Okay, no, that makes sense. yeah, because they went from L.A. No, to but... Boston or Maine, excuse me. It's a Stephen King movie, but then the way out is to fly back west. So geography actually matters in a time warp movie. It's not like you, you didn't see Doc telling Marty to drive 88 miles an hour to California. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or or in the or north or north or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, I've, yeah, Marty, I've never you seen. You must this. always drive north if you want to travel through time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Well, that's because he wasn't a mystery writer. He wouldn't. Have yeah. Oh well, that's he true. Would have been able to deduce that. That's true. My boy, my dear boy. Um, but it's a good thing this uh, movie didn't take place on a boat, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The weird thing, and like a lot of the stuff in this movie that I have written down, it's just the weird lines that they have. Like um, the one guy, they're talking about when they're flying above the the clouds, and they before they go to land in Maine in the first time, right? And so the one guy says, "I don't trust what's below the clouds." Yet a second and a half, like five seconds ago, he was like. Uh, is there any way to sort of, you know, fly the plane below the clouds to take a peek? No, you know what I think is the best part about all this? Originally, they're like, look outside, this is what you should see is the lights and whatever, and I don't see anything. There's no lights, you know, I don't see anything below. No, you don't. You see fucking clouds, but you don't actually mention that until like half an hour fucking later. They're like, oh yeah, there's no yeah. cloud cover. It's like, wait, when did the clouds show up? Because you were talking about having no no signs of civilization before. If you couldn't see anything, you should have just said, I see clouds. Yeah. And that's it. So apparently the cloud cover came out of nowhere? And cloud cover is part of being in the past? I guess? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, they, I so again, know. the past has weather. It's got physical physicality to it and geography yes but it doesn't but they're not they can't be in the past if if there's no one else there like it this defies every single time travel movie i've ever seen every every show you got something going there the past has time it has time because it moves more quickly yep it has geography yep there's a physical place they weather yeah it has air yep they can still breathe but it doesn't have taste or physics. No. Right? Yeah. You can't strike a match. You can't light the fuel. Right. You can't light the fuel. Now, why? You can't shoot someone. Oh, you can't shoot someone. Okay. Then why did he fall over? Because they thought that he'd been shot. I don't know. And if you can't shoot someone, how can you stab someone? Thank you. That's that blew my because somebody actually died from a stabbing. Yeah, Dinah. I thought Dinah. They, yeah, it's no. it's it's the weirdest rules. Uh, no, she was on the plane. I know she was on the plane, but I think she died on the plane. I thought she lived. Mark, did Dinah live or die? Uh, Dinah died. Yeah, I thought so. But she had died on the plane. They yeah. they got her onto the plane. They're on their way back, and then she saw she she died as a result of her wounds. Right. Okay. Because time caught up with her, and it hurt. I, uh, so yes. So the some physics are there because the idea of some of a sharp object being able to go through something, a physical act, still works, but ignition can't happen for anything, and then. And then, to make it even crazier, they then have a time rift in the time rift. Because the plane is fine. Anything on the plane still works. So now that's yeah, a pause. How is that possible? That's a sub-pocket in the pocket. Yeah, because they took their time with them. They took... Now time has a physical presence that can be moved yep. east to west, west to east, and preserved in one location... And moved as about. long as it's wrapped in steel. <laughs> yeah. This this <laughs> is madness. <laughs> it, it doesn't escape when you open the door. So that's it doesn't. Yeah, no, we'll let all the good it's time out. Well trained you know? <laughs> time. 
<laughs> it is housebroken time. Shut, shut the damn door. I'm not paying the time the house and the outside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not timing the whole neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh. That this it, this is insane. Like I. Uh, I don't. I can't find one theory that this fits, and it's. And I can't find any one theory that even fits within this. Like, I've never heard of this one before. This is brand new to me, anyway. I've never seen this way of time displayed this way, especially in a time travel movie. Like, they either say, "Well, time travel is impossible," so they just move about their day, <laughs> or they're able to do it, and it's got everything from like time cop to Back to the Future. You know. Even Terminator mm-hmm. plays around with time, so I mean, yeah. But this is nuts. <laughs> like, can you imagine yeah, if the, the Terminators sent back a Terminator and then it had to fight Langoliers? You know, <laughs> yeah. So, one one of my biggest questions about this was: okay, they fly through the time rift, and everyone who is asleep falls behind, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. What does that mean for the present? Yeah, because we because I assume time as as we know it continues. So, do those right. ten people who were asleep just vanish? And does anybody that's still on the plane notice that because they're all awake? So, I assume one or two of them would notice that. Yeah, like Aunt Vicky, right? I think the way that it's done with with Nick, you know, having his ridiculous fucking meltdown with his like, oh, it's so beautiful, blah, blah, blah moment. Because you actually see him vanish. And then I can't remember what drops. It's like his watch or something. The watch, yeah. The chair. Yeah. So I think that they were actually more concerned with the fact that they were in the process of disappearing rather than noticing people beside them sleeping had vanished. Because I think it's pretty much happened simultaneously where the people that are asleep are just asleep, whatever. There's still actual substance and the ones who are awake get punished and disappear. Because they're looking at this time? I don't know. So you're saying the passengers who are awake don't carry on? Uh, Yeah, I'm saying they vanish. They just fucking disappear. They're gone. Okay. Mark, your take? Because they don't come back when they they fly the plane back through. Because Mark said about how they should have, how the other people should have reappeared, which is true. Because now... They have this plane that landed somewhere where it wasn't supposed to land. And we were like, what, was ten people? Now there are eight, seven that got off of this plane. But 200 and some passengers are gone. So they're going to have to explain how this plane showed up. And these 200 and some people have fucking vanished off the face of the earth. Well, that plane that should have crashed as soon as they gone through because it would have just been flying and then the pilots are gone. Yeah. So... Except that autopilot does work? Uh, it, well, that's the thing. If it doesn't exist, then... Okay, then... The, then but even so, it would have just kept on... Uh, autopilot doesn't land for you. So it would have flown no. over Boston <laughs> and just kept on going until it ran out of gas. Yeah. Which is what it was doing, basically. But then they, like, they woke up and whatever and... Yeah, yeah. Our people landed. in the past intercept that action, but... But the only other pilot... For the present, well, in this case, all the pilots disappeared. Yeah. One went in the all past because he was sleeping, and then the Angle others were in the present. And my my take is that they got there. The only thing that I can think of that even gets close to making sense is that somehow they're they got split. The people who went in the past got split in two somehow either metaphysically or physically or even just in, uh, mentally because it looks like everything's normal. There's no one panicking about 200 and some odd people missing or even 10 people missing. Um, so their, their present analogs, if you will, landed in Boston, got off the plane, and then their past selves caught up with themselves. 
how they decide to meet at the wall, I can't even begin to explain. I can't. Sorry, I'm not a mystery writer. I can't deduce that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not in Boston. They don't land in Boston. That's the problem. Yeah, if that's the case, then their separate psyches will never again meet. Yeah. Because one's in Boston and one's in... No. So now you have ten brain-dead people. Yeah. That are still asleep on a plane. I mean, they weren't that brilliant in the first place. No, but I mean physically, actually brain-dead. Because now their psyches are in Los Angeles? Wherever, yep. See, I I look at it as um, this is just. Oh, did they they go back to LAX? Is that right? Sure. When they go back through the the rip. Yeah, they go back through the rip, and then they tie, and then and then they land. They don't turn around and fly back to Boston. Oh shit! Right. Okay. So that yeah. Sorry about that, but uh, that just kills that theory. (laughs) See, I thought it was like literally they're flying through, and then ten people vanish. Just vanish. And their wigs or watches <laughs> or dental work are left behind on that plane. But then it's the sort of mirror opposite on the alternate yeah, yeah. thing, right? Where everyone else vanishes and all their shit gets left behind. So then you would have a, a plane of about, what, 150 people missing 10, 12 people. Going, well, what the fuck happened to these people? But is there a mystery writer on that plane left to deduce what yes, happened? Yes, exactly, well, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they would have to hire out, a, they'd have to land in Boston and go, okay, let's take out the yellow pages and find the nearest mi- uh, mystery writer. Yeah, yeah. Because we need to solve what happened to these 12 people or whatever. <laughs> See, I, I think I've got an easy explanation for this. It's called, didn't consider it, don't care, <laughs> the, the, book, the story's over. <laughs> yeah. No, I just yeah. Well, no, you're right though. I can I can picture it too in my head. This idea of when they hit that aurora borealis, and you have moments later, you have the the uh, the young girl waking up screaming for Aunt Vicky. Meanwhile, in the present, Aunt Vicky is screaming for her niece. Yeah, because they now they've they've been split up, right? So they're both kind of screaming for that. Would have been kind of neat to see the other side to see. Uh, go, to go back to the present and be like, what the hell happened to these 10 people? And then, <laughs> uh, excuse me, I'm a mystery reader and I deduce that, you know what I mean? Like, I, I was here to meet this guy who's a mystery writer, but he seems to have disappeared. Now, here's why I deduce that he has. Hmm. I have a few things here. Um, there was a line they said, um, somebody made the thing, oh, I hear a very distinct sound. It sounds like coked up termites in balsa wood. <laughs> oh, right. I know exactly what that sound is. Sure. That's a very common sound that everyone knows. Okay. Coked up termites in balsa wood. Absolutely. Balsa wood. Well, I know what drunk termites in balsa wood sound like. <laughs> See, I know what drunk termites in maple ones. sounds like. Yeah, but... coked up ones. I got nothing on that. Oh, yeah. I've hung out with drunk termites. Those guys are a riot. Yeah. Uh, I like how the uh, the blind girl is constantly switching her gaze when she doesn't have her glasses on from one person to another <laughs> after she's been stabbed. You know, <laughs> as if she can see. Oh. I don't know if you caught that. Not at all. Or the fact that she doesn't know how to use a walking cane. Oh, no. I didn't know. Because all she does is she holds it. She holds it and walks forward. No, no, no. Like she holds it straight up and down. You have to hold it out, and you use it to find what's in front Obstacles of you. Obstacles in your way, yeah. Yeah. But no, she's just holding it straight up and down next to her chest, just walking. <laughs> like, okay, did your research on that one. Thanks. All right. Uh, I, I like the idea of a uh, an unlocked locker just having a gun. Just a loaded. <laughs> what? Uh, just a G- Jim's locker, Chet's locker. Just open it up. There's a gun, loaded, ready to go. Just in an unlocked locker, in the airport. Oh, I didn't know. In ba- I wondered yeah. where the gun came from, but I wasn't paying. In money. Bangor, Maine, <laughs> mind you. Yeah, in Bangor, Maine. You know where all well, the gun violence yeah. happens. It's the one gun in Maine. <laughs> yeah, it's the one gun in Bangor. Maine. Oh, was it Chet's turn with the gun this week? Is it? A... Yeah, yeah. It's like the Stanley Cup. You, pass you it passed around, it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
<laughs> and the the whole Toomey side plot. Okay, so his dad. First of all, he's it's like he's becoming a supervillain by the end of this. I could have sworn that Superman was going to have to come in to stop him. Um, but his whole subplot is that his dad somehow knows about the Langoliers. Knows that there are a few... And apparently, his theory is that if you get too lazy, you can become so lazy as a person that you will literally stop keeping up with time. And the Langoliers will come and get you. Yeah. That's my understanding of how he was freaking out about it. That the Langole- that, that you're, if you're lazy, the Langoliers will get you. So the only reason that can happen is if he literally is just so lazy that he... Yeah, go ahead, time. I'll catch yeah. up with you. Because he says, if you're lazy, you'll get left behind, and then the Langoliers will eat you. So, there. I guess Stephen King in this movie is theorizing that you can be so lazy that the present will outrun you. Yeah. You'll be left behind, and then the Langoliers will come. Exactly. And yeah. And not only does he surmise that this is a like this is a threat that uh, a father gives, an overbearing father gives to a young child. But it's also true. Somehow he knows. So did he at one point fall behind? Or maybe his dad was so lazy? Yeah, maybe it's something that's like passed down from generation to generation that, you know, at, don't be like great 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 <laughs> uncle Wilbur because he was eaten by the Langoliers. He skipped through the he like fell through the Aurora Borealis while he was sleeping and <laughs> got eaten by the Langoliers. Put that on. Don't be like him. He's the cautionary tale for the whole family. Well, and, and let's assume that that family story is true. How do they know? Movies. Yeah, there you go. Did, <laughs> hey, look, hey, over, look there. over there. Yeah, exactly. Great, so if great, 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 great grandpa Toomey fell prey to Langoliers, was his son with him at the time? And then the son just started running westward and never stopped until he caught back up with time? Therefore, yes. therefore proving that you can't be lazy. So does that mean that really busy people are ahead of time then? Yes. Like if you work two or three jobs, if you yeah, you're you're collecting time. You're, yeah, maybe uh, well, an athlete, maybe they work really yeah. hard. Yep, yeah, you have you have time in the bank. You have, <laughs> you have time. You're good. You have time bank. All right. One of my favorite lines is when um, near the end they're staring out the window, and uh, Dinah says something, and behind them um, the pilot says something, and she goes. I can hear you, and and he, the guy leans over and goes, "Wow, she's got really good ears." I'm like, "No, she just has ears. You're ten feet away, <laughs> yeah, and you're shutting she, up." It's not like she has miraculous hearing powers. She can just hear you. <laughs> oh, that's when the two are uh, muttering, muttering to each other. Yeah, but they're not really muttering. That's the no, problem. No, but still, and then she turns around and she says what they said. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone's astounded because the people that were right in front of them didn't hear them. And why are all the adults listening to a child? Stephen King. Uh, well, okay, there you go. Hey, look over there. Yep. Yeah. Actually, in this case, it's just literally Stephen King. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, everybody that listens to too. kids in Stephen King books. Fucking everybody. The kids know everything. And the kids usually have some type of connection to God. And I love, too, how the guy that never stops eating or never wants to stop eating. Can't um, eat. He, um, he, he turns to all the passengers on the plane because the, uh, the, the pilot and the, the, the hitman are in the, are in the cockpit. <laughs> and he's like, hey, do you guys know how to use these ovens? And I'm like, no, they're passengers on an airplane. None of them know how to use airplane technology. <laughs> why would why would any of them know how to use an oven on an airplane? They're not airplane people. They're not they're not airline employees. <laughs> really? Because I would have come. I would have responded with an entirely different thing. 
Like, yes, you're fat, it's a it fucking out. microwave. Yeah, well, there's that. Well, he says ovens, so well, yeah, it's still it's even easier. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're fat. You should be able to figure this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that's your superpower. And if he was so fat and hungry, shouldn't he have been left behind as an example of what it is to be lazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't he end up dying anyway? No, he made it. No, he makes he it. He made it. Yeah, because at the end of uh, when they get back to the actual present that's in the process of catching up um albert eats a sandwich and he's like oh my god it's the best thing i ever tasted and whatever and then just like drops it and then fat guy goes to like grab one and they're like come on and he's like whoa <laughs> poor bastard doesn't actually get to eat anything through the whole movie yeah so so he he does make it to the present but the one thing he doesn't make is the 80s freeze frame jump he's like nope too fat for that yeah. yeah, he's the one guy in the back running. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's kind of behind on everything anyway, so it's kind of like, oh, are we jumping? <laughs> yeah, he's like sort of like bent over at the waist, ready to jump. Yeah, like he's just <laughs> like one leg lifted, like ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the punk girl is a former drug addict, so she's going to Boston to live with her aunt. And nobody cares. And nobody cares. Except for the guy with glasses who they should not be together at all, of course, but no. they're going to somehow through the crisis of the Langoliers. Yeah. Th- so they obviously remember what happened, right? Yeah. Yes. So do they ever, do you think they ever talk about it? Do you think maybe that they're the ones that this movie was, was, do you think, hmm. How do I put this? Do you think in in their universe future, do they become it like does the hor- does the mystery writer then write about the Langoliers and that becomes a movie? <laughs> no. Uh, yes, I think so. I think <laughs> it, it, absolutely. I'll take a no, and I'll take the yes. Good. <laughs> Because I'm in two dimensions. That's so right, right. Yeah, yeah. I had to jump through a light, you know, to travel through time. But I had a quick nap, so I did it. So I, you know. Yeah, I jumped. I froze framed. And then I fell asleep. And then when I woke up, I was in an alternate dimension. That's, yeah, I got to imagine they probably didn't sleep that well that night. <laughs> yeah, would you ever sleep again? I don't know. <laughs> At least not in a moving car. I don't know, know I mean? man. At that ca- at that point, wouldn't you want to sleep all the fucking time? Why is why is that? Well, because if you're alive, you're just gonna die. You're gonna see the the light's gonna come and you're dead, or taken, or whatever. Uh, at least true. if you're alive, you have a chance of coming back. Yeah, good point. Or like if you're asleep, then you have a chance of coming back. That would suck, though. You wake up, and you like go to breakfast, and like ah fuck, not again, no taste. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The worst Groundhog Day. Yeah, ever. Get in the car, drive west. You know, hopefully the car is sheltered from the time loop. <laughs> this is a mentally. This has been one of the most mentally draining movies we've ever we've ever covered. <laughs> yeah. Um. So just, I only have one thing on this, and that's much of the story was derived uh, from Stephen King's own fear of flying. Uh, King often writes true to life. Uh, King often writes true life experiences into his novels. <laughs> and I added, you know, like the time vehicles came to life and threatened humanity because of a passing meteor. <laughs> you know, when that really happened. When that really happened. To Stephen King. Yep. Uh, so, as always on this show, we try to find the real story behind the story, Mark. Um, well, I seem to be really focused on Brunson Pinshot, apparently, for this one, because my two have to do with him. Um, so, Or is it the story of one man trying to erase his past by attempting to get to it? Huh. Um, actually, that could apply to a couple of people, because you have the MI6 guy that doesn't like what he's done in the past. Uh, You've got the guy who would probably like to have made a phone call to his wife to get out of the burning house before it burnt. Okay. And Bronson Pinchot, of course, we talked about that. Uh, speaking of which, my other, or is it, or or is it, uh, uh, Bronson Pinchot being kidnapped to make this movie while he was on his way to an audition for another better movie? 
and that's why he had to get to Boston by 9 o'clock in the morning. There you hmm. go. <laughs> Tex? Uh, I have it, or is it proof that Hollywood secretly hates Stephen King and lives for embarrassing him? <laughs> ah, it's like a conspiracy of Hollywood against Stephen King. Yeah, because you there's like two good movies by Stephen King. <laughs> Which ones are those? Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile. Oh, okay. Um, I have it, uh, or is it the debunking of the time-traveling theory in Back to the Future? Yeah. Because you wouldn't be able to go all the way to the past, right? Because the nope, past would be gone. It's gone, yep. Uh, or is it the beginning of, a, of the relationship between the nerd and the rehab girl that eventually falls horribly apart when they realize they actually have nothing in common except for the events of this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, oh, you do... You do heroin, huh? All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go play EverQuest. <laughs> it's the '90s and Mist <laughs> and Mist, <laughs> yeah, and Omega Online or whatever the hell it was. Uh, so that's gonna about do it for the Langoliers. I'm Sean Taylor. I'm Tex, and I'm Ian Mark. Join us next time when we'll review the story of the only golfer in history who scored either birdies or bogeys throughout his entire career. Hulk Hogan stars in No Holes Pard. 